I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB. You know, I was talking yesterday, I'd missed a few weeks of news. When I got done with the show yesterday, I was just about, I was just about breathless. <laughs> this stuff gets pent up in me, so I'm glad to have the outlet. I appreciate you all joining me, and I appreciate WYAB for still giving me a platform here as a bit of a rebel rouser when it comes to what you typically hear on conservative radio. So we'll continue today. My notes yesterday were so long, we're going to get into uh, some of the things that I've missed over the past few weeks, haven't haven't gotten into, not a whole lot of deep dives. I'm trying to play catch up here, you know. I'm sprinting now. When I get caught up to the pack, I can ease off a little bit. Yesterday's the first show I did when I was back, and it's just, it's just funny to think how terrified people are of what's coming in 2024. I'm one of you, but... I was a little scared before, but I, during the course of the, the holiday time, I saw several clips with, uh, what's his name, John Fetterman. This is the potted plant that actually beat Mehmet Oz up in, uh, was it Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania or Connecticut? Pennsylvania. Those two states, for some reason in my mind, constantly get flip-flopped. I think it was Pennsylvania. Anyway, Senator Fetterman... The right's kind of having some fun with it, showing that as he's getting his mental faculties back, he's become more conservative. I saw him some, saying something about the border. He said, if you don't think this is a crisis, you're not paying attention. There was something else, too. I don't, I don't, dare, I don't dare, dare give John Fetterman uh, uh, an airing on this show in a clip. Maybe I should have clipped him, but the guy's starting to make some sense. So if I wasn't scared of 2024, that may be the sure sign of the apocalypse. I also yesterday had forgotten about it till I saw something on the news about this morning. What, what, what was the what's the biggest story of the past couple of weeks? One of the top stories of the past couple of weeks, near as I can tell, and I don't watch a lot of mainstream news, but I pick up enough to kind of know, you know, what leads the news, what people are supposedly talking about. The Stanley Cup mania. Uh, what is this looks to be a very high quality product there's no doubt about it there was an interesting video whether it was true or staged it was brilliant if it was staged it's brilliant i'm going to give it's kind of like the wars you know i get so tired of them doing the same thing over and over again and people falling for it over if you do something creative something clever and you get me i'll at least give you the creativity side of it but it may have been real that a car caught on fire and someone got in there and took out their Stanley Cup and the ice was still clinking around in the glass, I believe. But apparently there's become something, I guess this was a Christmas season phenomenon. I'm not a big shopper. I didn't go into a lot of stores. That people are just hoarding these cups. I saw there was actually an armed robbery the other day of somebody who tried to lift a, a case of these Stanley Cups 
People bidding these things up to into the hundreds of dollars. Kids freaking out when they get the Stanley Cup for Christmas. <laughs> you know, we, we're a very, very interesting people. A very interesting. You know, I always thought it was very interesting. A Yeti. I've never had a Yeti cooler. But I thought, you know, I, I heard what they cost or I saw what they cost. And I thought, well, that's insane. You get a, a good igloo cooler for everything. I, I just don't do a whole lot where I need to keep everything ice cold for four days at a time. Maybe if I was a camper, I would invest. But I, by all accounts, they're great quality things. But then I would start to see, I, at first I was wondering, before I knew what the coolers were, what are all these Yeti stickers all over everybody's cars? And everybody had gone nuts over these coolers so much that they were marketing the cooler. I guess it was a, it became a status symbol to have a Yeti cooler and have a Yeti sticker on your car. No, no disrespect to anyone who did that. I'm just, I'm kind of divorced from this. I, I, consumerism is a lot like politics to me. I'm a bit of an observer to it. Now, I'm somebody who loves capitalism. And I love good marketing that may get people to buy products. I really should have gone into advertising. It's what I always wanted to do when I was in high school and in college. It just, uh, things got in the way. I didn't really get there. So I actually even appreciate good marketing and advertising. It's one of the things that we've lost in the last 20 years. You remember the Super Bowl commercials? It was really almost the whole show, the Super Bowl. You could not care about the team and get excited about the commercials. Even that's over now. But what catches fire in our society is very interesting to me. The things that kind of drive the trends, the most recent one being this Stanley Cup. And I'm not talking about the hockey award. Is it? It's Stanley, isn't it? I think it is, because it sounds like the tool company. Is it the tool company? See, this is how little I know. It's just, I've just, I've seen it everywhere. And I just wonder, I'm somebody who really does, it took me a few years to get this. I don't, I don't think I'm cheap by nature, but I don't like to spend just a whole lot of money. I'm not a shopper. It took me several years years to realize it really is better to buy good quality things that you only have to buy once or once every five years rather than buying something cheap you need to buy every six months. I, I'm I'm a I'm a fan of quality craftsmanship and good quality products. Matter of fact, I've got a, an interesting. I'll go ahead and get into it now. This is why I run out of time on my show all the time. There's an interesting story, and I want to dive deeper into it. There's a very, very long piece written on it that I've had bookmarked for months to take a look at, but I don't know if people are familiar with the Instapot. I'm not really familiar with what the Instapot is, which may mean me diving into it in this segment is a little ill-advised, but apparently it was a very quality product. It was so quality that I believe the company last year filed for bankruptcy. Because it, 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 it's got to be a very fine line where if you make something that is so good, which is what we all want, it's what consumers want, and apparently this thing was wildly popular. I assume it's something along the lines of a, a slow cooker or a pressure cooker. But apparently this thing would just last for forever. So the company actually ended up filing bankruptcy. I don't know if they completely went out of business but they did not do well. Something financially happened to them, and I believe it was because they're not selling any replacements. You buy one, and you're done. It's just kind of interesting that that's, that's almost uh, for a company, for the idea of maintaining a profitable company for years and years and years. Maybe you don't want your product to be quite that good. You know what I mean? Even though it really benefits the customers, but... Apparently, the customers did not keep this company afloat. 
That's kind of interesting. I still probably will do a long segment on it. I want to read kind of the whole story. Maybe there was some malfeasance uh, involved, but the, from what I read is that the company suffered from its own quality problems. But, of course, I do want to get into the the biggest story. You know, I've said many times, I choose to laugh. I really do. I, I choose to laugh at this stuff. It has just gotten so absurd. And the fact that that we put up with this, and I, and I don't know the mechanism to stop. The story I'm about to tell you, I don't really don't know what we do about it necessarily. It's a, probably a little bit of gallows humor in my mind, just kind of like, man, we are so screwed. But Ray Epps, Ray Epps, the guy who became famous on videos everywhere, instigating, cheering, chanting that people need to go inside the Capitol. I don't need to recount who Ray Epps is to the majority of people listening to the show, but if you don't know, he was the guy, kind of the poster child. You know, they they used the, uh, what's, what's the guy, the Q Shaman guy? You know, he had the costume on. He drew the attention to himself. He got into the chambers and got some great pictures done and all that stuff. But but one of the real people pushing the crowd, encouraging them to to bust through barricades and go into the Capitol was this Ray Epps character. And people have, you know, I believe rightfully said, the guy's a fed. That, a lot of the Trump supporters knew it when he was out there telling them to go into the Capitol. They would start chanting, fed, fed, fed. So I think the pressure the pressure ramped up a little bit on this Ray Epps guy. They were having hearings in Congress about him. FBI, of course, won't be honest about who the guy is. They won't be honest about how many agents they had in the crowd. They won't be honest about any of these things. They're completely, you know, uh, concealing everything they know about January 6th for some strange reason. Isn't that interesting from a government that always tells us, you know, when they talk about their their ability to spy on us and read our emails and listen to our voicemails and monitor our activities, their thing is, if you don't have anything to hide, you got nothing to fear. And yet at every twist and turn, our federal government is concealing JFK. I mean, just everything. They keep secret and, and they don't come clean with us. And you would think that they would be very forthcoming because if they're not doing anything wrong, they have nothing to fear, right? Well, the pressure seemed to mount and Ray Epps finally got indicted. Last year, I believe. I don't even know he was arrested. Did they raid him? Did the, did the FBI take out 36 people and a couple of MRAP vehicles to his house for a 5 a.m. dawn raid? I don't think they did. But they did indict him. Well, recently, and I know most people are familiar with this, too, they gave him, they sentenced him. They gave him a year probation. One year probation. you got grandmothers still being scooped up off the streets by the federal government, by the FBI. Grandmothers who were walking around with knitting needles crocheting something as they meandered through the Capitol between the velvet ropes, invited in by the police, they're going to end up doing some hard time and having their lives ruined. This Ray Epps character, one year of probation. Holy cow. This is how lost we are. And I talked about it yesterday because this is, you know, remember this organization, this FBI, that I think rightfully... People who support Donald Trump or support the J6ers, I support the J6ers, I just don't support Donald Trump. People rightfully point to this agency and go, oh my gosh, it is so corrupt. And, you know, there, there are good people working at the FBI. I'm going to say it again because I actually, you know, I'm, 
I know some of these guys. I've met them. They're good quality human beings, but this organization, I mean, this is just slap you in the face corrupt. The videos are circulating, you know, as soon as this this one year of probation handed down to him, while other people who did far less than Ray Epps are doing multiple years in federal prison, some of them having already done two or three years in lockup, lives destroyed, bankrupted trying to defend themselves. And they are still trying to scoop up people. A press conference from last week, I don't have the clip where they were saying, hey, we're not done. We're still looking for people who went into, air quotes here in the studio, restricted areas. Boy, I, I hope that if any federal agents ever come to my house, I can, I can stop them in my, what I decide is my restricted areas, which is everything within a mile of my home. But they are still scooping people up and gave this guy, who is on video all over the Internet, full face pictures. It's, it's not even one of these things where it's kind of like, a, you know, you got to, I think that's him. You know, he got caught on a hot mic. No, he's screaming out to the crowd, we're going to the Capitol. He gets a year of probation. Holy cow. I mean, they're not even really pretending anymore, are they? They don't even really feel the need. And I think this is because, and I'll say this again, like I said yesterday about the FBI, it has been corrupt at the top of it since it got cranked up. This is not a new phenomenon, not a new reaction to Donald Trump. They were corrupt during J. Edgar Hoover days. They were, I mean, this organization is state police, much like the KGB was in Soviet Union. And so I guess they have just gotten to the point where they're like, do we even really need to act like, you know, we're above board here? We, can we not just come out and tell people we are the KGB here in the United States and we pick and choose, you know, who wins and who loses and we'll destroy political op, uh, opposition? Because it feels to me like they just don't even care again. Now, again, I don't know what we do about that. You may, maybe, 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 the, just a thought off the top of my head, as I said yesterday, maybe you don't reelect the guy who wants to give them a billion dollars new uh, headquarters so they can be comfy while they abuse the American people. That would be Donald Trump, who is still talking about giving them a new headquarters. And then you got Vivek Swam, uh, uh, Ramaswamy. He's saying he would abolish the FBI. Now, I don't know if he really will, but if I got to choose between two guys, <laughs> and the craziest thing is, does Trump not know that his supporters are being targeted by this organization he's trying to give a comfy, cozy new headquarters to? Does he not get that? I guess he doesn't have to get it because kind of like the fact our government can flaunt this stuff in front of our eyes and know that nothing's going to happen. Trump knows his supporters aren't going anywhere. He could give a billion dollars to the organization that is rounding them up and imprisoning them, and 99% of Trump supporters will go, well, uh, he has to do it because <laughs> it's just, even though they're targeting you. Holy cow, I guess maybe, it, I, I believe that we may see another Trump presidency. Uh, so the good news for Ray Epps is maybe he's in line for a presidential medical of freedom under a Trump administration. And he could just say, like he said with Fauci, when Fauci got a presidential commendation on the way out of the White House, he can just say, oh, I don't know who gave it to him. I'll be right back. The Cohen blood, rough night in Jericho. Look the walls falling. Yes, I'll be 
I've talked a lot, and as long as it goes on, I'll continue to talk about what's going on in the Middle East right now. It's still truly horrific. But, you know, October 7th was the great flip-flop. It was really quite interesting. Within a single day, basically, uh, I don't know, a 24-48 hour period, all of the left-wing warmongers who had just been gnashing their teeth against Russia for no reason— and we're cheering on this brutal war between Russia and Ukraine, completely needless, pointless, deadly, dangerous in this potential for escalation war. Uh, the left was just cheering for it. Within 48 hours, they became the peaceniks and they want to be anti-war against the Palestinians. Of course, there's always two sides to a flip-flop. And the people who were on the right who realized that war is a racket finally and just realized there was no reason we should be involved in this war half a world away between Ukraine and Russia over this border dispute, suddenly those people did their own backflip and became suddenly uh, handmaids of the military-industrial complex wanting to ship money and weapons to Israel. But it wasn't even just that. It wasn't In the great flip-flop, there were several different facets to it, and it is... Uh, it's highlighted here in something that Ron DeSantis has just done. Ron DeSantis tweeted this out on January 9th. He said, Today I am directing Florida's colleges and universities to make it easier for Jewish students to transfer to a Florida higher education institution. While leaders of, this is his tweet, he says, While leaders of, quote-unquote, elite universities enable anti-Semitism, we will protect Jewish students and welcome them to Florida. So now, the other side of the great flip-flop, it is the right that is now woke. It, within just this strange period, October 7th, October 8th, as news got around, we knew what we were dealing with between Israel and the Palestinians. Suddenly, the right was for censorship. The left was against it again. And, and I guess in Ron DeSantis's mind, as he has been supposedly this champion of fighting the woke in Florida as their governor, he now is okay to do set-asides for people of a certain ethnicity. It's suddenly okay for a very popular Republican governor to set up a, air quotes here in the studio, safe space for one particular group of people because those people were on campuses where they might have heard things that hurt their feelings. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, they are being threatened. Look, there's jackasses on every college campus. I've been on several of them. But, but this is essentially Ron DeSantis is now selling a safe space, a safe space for people. And, and I don't hear anybody on the right going, well, maybe they're being a little bit hypersensitive, you know. Uh, Elon Musk has censored a whole lot of anti-Israeli action in the Middle East. It's not anti-Semitic. If any of you, I, I doubt I've got many listeners who would hear me challenge the government of Israel, as I challenge every government on planet Earth, that would call me an anti-Semite, not because it's not popular to do that, but because anybody still operating at that elementary school brain level has probably not long since left the show. <laughs> at least that's what I would hope. 
I wish all the best to Jewish people around the world, to the government of Israel. Uh, it's no better than any other government and currently carrying on some of the worst things out there. Uh, I tell you what, I'm going to take a break, but I'm going to play this first. This is off that topic, but I thought this was fantastic. I've talked for years about, you know, why would you be a Democrat man? Now, I can understand being a man and not liking the Republican Party because I am a man and I don't like the Republican Party. But to react to a dislike for one party like the Republicans by joining the Democrats, and I just think to myself, as a grown man, how do you... How do you support a party that treats you like a child, like you can't do anything for yourself? And, and I say this specifically to, or particularly to, to black men. The way the Democrat Party treats really the black community and black men, but I, I'm a man, so I just think in my head, like a man, if I was a black man and I heard my party talk to me, really infantilize me the way the Democrats infantilize black men in this country. I just, oh, it would make my skin crawl. I'd be furious. But this was very interesting. This guy, and I don't even know who he is. He did a kind of a walk on the street. And, and I don't know how old this thing is. I've never seen it. I think it's a genius thing to do. This is, has to do with the idea that we can't do voter ID or that voter ID is racist, right? Yeah, you, you can't do it because... People of color don't have IDs for some reason. And I've always found that just like the most racist thing I've ever heard. I have hired and worked with uh, black people for decades now. I don't think I ever ran across any black person that didn't have a driver's license or a state ID. And yet the Democrats treat them like they're not capable of getting down to get an ID. Anyway, this guy did a man, uh, man and woman on the street. Just He's a white dude. He went into, I believe he's going to say Harlem, to ask black citizens, do you have an ID? Now I'm here in East Harlem to ask black people their thoughts on what you just heard. Do you have ID normally? you carry ID around? Yes, I have state ID. Do you carry ID? Yes, I do. Do you know anybody, who, any black person who doesn't carry ID? No. Everyone that I know has an ID. Why would they think we don't have ID? <laughs> That's a lie. Why would they say that? Do you have ID? Yes. Because I have my ID and my friends have their ID, so like, we know what we need to carry around. Everybody that I know have ID. Like, that's one of the things you need to walk around with New York with, an ID. Do you know any black adult who does not have ID? No, I don't. Is it a weird thing to even say that? Yes, it is. What is this, some, some type of uh, trick candy camera? I like know, that? right? That's the only thing I brought with me. Those legit, yeah. legit IDs. I heard a lot also that uh, black people can't figure out how to get to the DMV. Really? Is that, is that, what does that say to you? I know it's that, it's on 25th Street. Do you know where the ID, the, the DMV is around you? It's on 125th Street and 3rd Avenue, I believe. You know where to get there? Yeah. Did you have a problem getting there if you had to get there? No. It's, I know these sound like silly questions. You know how to get the AV? Of course. You know where it is? Yes. You can get there? Uh-huh. No problem. No problem. Just checking. Okay. And I also heard a lot that black people, especially poor black people, have no access to the internet, can't figure out how to use the internet. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's just stupidity. I had access to the internet for years. You know how to use it properly, exactly. right? Exactly. I do it at work. So, of course, I know how to use it. Smart. My kids know how to use it. They all have iPads, iPods, whatever. Your phone has data? Mm-hmm. You can actually Unlimited. With, unlimited data. Mm-hmm. I use my phone as a hotspot. What does that say to you for the people who have this perception of black people? 
Um, uh, they're pretty much ignorant. Uh, that's what my thought process on. I just think that's ignorant. Ignorant. Yeah, so this goes on for a little bit longer. It's, it's kind of the same thing. What, one of the things I absolutely love about this video is that this is just human beings interacting. None of the people he talks to, now who knows, maybe somebody else that was off camera, but nobody he talks, they're not even mad at him. They're just looking at him like, what are you talking about? This is a white guy going up to black people in Harlem and saying, are you capable of getting a driver's license? And they're like, what are you talking about? Of course. And that would be my thought too. Of course they've got driver's license. Of course every black person and anybody who wants a driver's license, they, it is one of the easiest things. In the, the state wants to know who you are, where you are, what you're up to. <laughs> they, they want you in the database. They've made it excruciatingly easy to get state-issued ID. And so it's very interesting. And what's kind of funny to me about this clip is it's almost like, have these people not heard Democrats talking for the last 20 years about the fact that they are not capable of getting a driver's license? It's racist to ask anybody to show their ID, not when you have to cash a check or if you have to buy beer. I mean, there's a million times you have to show ID. And apparently that's not racist because I've, I've had to show my ID all my life, board a plane. But when you ask them to produce a driver's license to vote, supposedly that's racist. Anyway, I thought this was just absolutely a genius man on the street, and I love the human interaction. There's no anger or anything. I mean, the guy obviously knows these people are not the children that the Democratic Party paints them out to be. I'll be right back. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 1039 WYAB. Guys, it, the presidential, the primary is over. And maybe the general election, too. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new president. And that is our first female president, Nikki Haley, apparently. Nikki Haley, I saw this morning, had gotten a big endorsement. And, and you know, at first I thought about, my, my first thought is, Again, I'm kind of an observer of the things that a lot of people really get into. And I, when I first thought of saw this, I thought to myself, who cares? And then I realized, oh, no, this is a wildly popular person in the United States of America. Judge Judy. <laughs> Judge Judy Scheinlin is issuing a ruling on who she wants to be the next president. And that is White House hopeful Nikki Haley. Quote, I'm proud to endorse Nikki Haley because she is whip smart, has executive credentials, and was a superb governor. This is what Judge Judy said uh, in a statement Tuesday released by Haley's campaign. She's called the former South Carolina governor and U.N. ambassador. Who in the world would ever make Nikki Haley their U.N. ambassador? Oh, wait, never mind. Uh, she called the former South Carolina governor and U.N. ambassador principled and measured. <laughs> Shineland said Haley has that elusive, quote, quality of real common sense. Quote, I think she can restore America and believe she is the future of this great nation. So I'm telling you, look, I remember seeing something. I, Judge Judy, what was her contract? I knew this at one time. Her contract was something 
I don't know, was it $49 million a year? $300 million? It was something obscene. Judge Judy. I would imagine most people have run across this show. I mean, I've seen it before. I find it hor. It, it's basically the legal version of uh, Idiocracy to me, watching an episode of Judge Judy. But when I saw how much she made, I thought, oh, my God, that's how many people are watching this woman. And then I would see box sets of old Judge Judy shows that I guess, I guess people have bought these things now. This has been years ago. Maybe now with streaming, you can, is there, is there a Judge Judy network? I'm telling you, what I'm trying to say is we don't live in a really especially sharp country, intellectually. And this woman may actually sway people. If Nikki Haley is successful to any degree, I may blame it on Judge Judy and, her, and the people who, for some reason, have become her fans. Holy cow. Oh, we're in trouble. Uh Wanted to mention this. I this might have come out of uh, uh, Rand Paul's Festivus report. This is where he does the big government waste thing. I never think it goes far enough, but I like that he has some fun with it. And basically, every year around Christmas time, he goes in and he documents some of the worst abuses of tax, you know, use, most abusive use of taxpayer dollars. But for some reason. Somebody put the somebody. Never mind. It disappeared on social media. I want you to listen to this statistic. The National Institutes of Health used a portion of a twenty-seven million dollar grant. Excuse me. Excuse me. Two point seven million dollar grant to whisk away your hard-earned money to Russia and fund a study on feline cardio. That's cats. Cat cardio. The National Institutes of Health was using a portion of this $2.7 million. So maybe not the whole thing. I don't know how much went to studying cats on treadmills, but it was a portion of it. But just, you know, ah, it's $2.7 million, Mike. Our government spends trillions. Well, just to put this in context, that's what I do here. I try to, I, I, I try to stoke some anger. That's what I try to do. Just think of all the programs we have. This is a little one, right? $2.7 million for the NIH. I mean, their budget is in the hundreds of billions of dollars. All the different departments and CDC and FDA and the rest of the big pharma sales creeps. But $2.7 million, what is it? The average family pays $9,000 a year in federal taxes. And do you know what that means? Two point, that one little program, that $2.7 million, part of it went to go study feline cardio. That's 300 years of a family's labor. So let's just, how many generations is that? Is a generation 25? So that would be what? 12 generations of Americans would work their entire working life. And every year their taxes would just go. This is 12 generations of your family will be stripped of the potential to earn wealth and, and do something for yourself in retirement. The government will strip you of that wealth for 12 generations of your family just to fund this one little tiny uh, federal program, part of which is to study cat cardio. It's just, just something to think of. Another, another place where our money is gone, if you've been listening to this show for any period of time, you'll know why I found this one so funny. It's a CNN story. NASA delays astronaut moon landing to at least 2026. Huh. <laughs> they just, we just can't seem to get back there, can we? 
Now, we've been teased that we're going back to the moon many times over the last, what, what's the last time we were there, about 50 years ago, something like that? I mean, let me, let me rephrase that. When was the last time they told us we went to the moon? <laughs> Does anybody find it strange? Think about the technological advances between the late 1960s and the 2020s. Now, what are the chances that in the late 1960s, on the first try, they made it? And everything went swimmingly. Got them down, got them back, got them home. But in 2024, we got a problem. We, we, we got another problem. And we just, we're not going to be able to do it this year. We, we pinky swear we're going to get back on that moon in 2026. <laughs> Holy cow. Now you think you'd say, well, wh why don't they just create the old program from 50 years ago? Well, they lost all of the, uh, they lost all the data that they used to uh, to make it to the moon, the telemetry data. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Every, every day that I live longer, I'm more convinced we have never been to the moon. I still leave out that little part that goes, I don't know, humans are capable of some pretty amazing stuff, but I'm telling you, our government lies to us about everything, and they lie about big stuff. This is the thing that probably... This is the big problem with people and conspiracy theories. They know that politicians lie. I mean, I don't know. You'd have a, you would have to be the boomerist of boomers to really still have a hold a politician in high regard at this point. You have to just have not paid any attention for, for your entire adult life and somehow maintain this la-la land that the politicians are there to serve the American people. So 99.999% of people know that the politicians lie. Now, I would say even more, more in the recent years, they've realized that the government itself will also lie. The, the problem that a lot of people have is getting over that last mental hurdle. Well, they'll lie to you about the biggest stuff. I mean, big stuff. Like the reason we're in a war. Like 9-11. Like the assassination of a president. And like uh, landing on the moon. Yeah. There is no bounds. There is no lie too big, too egregious uh, that the government will not tell us. Oh, I'll go ahead and do this story here, too. Another great success of the U.S. federal government. Another great success of the war on drugs. Have you seen what's going on down in Ecuador? In the wake of the apparent prison escapes of two of the country's most powerful drug gang leaders, Ecuador was rocked by a variety of violent incidents on Tuesday, including an on-air takeover of a television station news broadcast in the country's largest city. As, as, as TC Television was airing a news program from its Guadalquil studios, men burst in wielding pistols, shotguns, and what appeared to be some sort of fuel-fused explosive. So they took over a... Uh, they took over a television station. It was only about 20 minutes. They rounded them up. Elsewhere, there were reports of seven police officers being kidnapped in three different acts, as well as explosions in five different cities and looting and more. Five hospitals were also subjected to some kind of brief takeovers following prison riots and escapes that included two major gang kingpins. Nearly 140 prison staff members are still being held hostage. So, another colossal success of the American drug war. Oh, it's just, it's going great, isn't it? I mean, I would imagine, you know, with all of this chaos, there must be a good side to it, like, we don't have any drugs in this country, right? 
nobody here does any drugs. I mean, 50 years in the war on drugs, they've won, right? I mean, I don't do drugs, so I don't shop for drugs. I don't, I'm not out there looking for drugs. I assume there are none here in the country anymore. With the trillions of dollars we've spent, with every government out there, and apparently, luckily, uh, I believe the uh, the Americans have gone down to Ecuador. They've uh, pi- parked some kind of a, a Navy ship off there and are ready to come on come on land if they want to. Surely that will do it. That'll be <laughs> just just a little bit more military action, a little bit more law enforcement, and we'll have this drug thing kicked any day now, right? Right? It says here in the story that in 2009, the people of Ecuador voted to evict all U.S. military personnel. However, in September, the United States and Ecuador reached agreements to allow U.S. sea forces to operate on Ecuador's coast and to disembark when requested by their host, all pursuant to curtailing drug traffic. I mean, holy cow. Oh, we do not learn, do we? And we certainly never change course, but I blame that more on the American people than anyone else. Of course, the people in charge, they're doing this for money and for power. Why the American people are going along with it is the big mystery to me. I'll be right back. All right, we're going to wrap up another one here. Uh, Speaking of the U.S. military being where it shouldn't be, doing things it shouldn't be doing, I I want to do this because, you know, I care about the people who listen to this show, and I know there's probably a lot of you out there. I would imagine the past few months you have been tossing and turning, unable to get any sleep, constantly stressed at work, can't even enjoy time with your children because you're so concerned about what's going on in Serbia. With the Bosnians. I I know this has been keeping you up, but I want to let you know everything's going to be okay. And here's why. The U.S. flew two F-16 fighter jets over Bosnia and Herzegovina on Monday as a show of force meant as a threat to Bosnian Serb leader Milorad Dodnik, who wants independence for the Serb-majority areas of the country he controls. So don't worry. All of you people who have been so just racked racked with concern over whether or not the Serbs are going to declare their independence in Bosnia. Don't worry, the military is going to make sure that doesn't happen. Dodnik, he's the president of the Republika Sprska. Doesn't have any vowels in it. (laughs) It's a uh, semi-autonomous Serb republic within the borders of Bosnia and Herzegovina that's separate from the other part of the country that's mainly populated by Bosniak Muslims and Croats, known as the Federation of Bosnia-Herzegovina. The U.S. Embassy in Sarajevo said the F-16 fighter jets flew over Bosnia to show U.S. support for the countries. Get ready for this one. This one's going to get you. I'm obviously being very snarky and sarcastic. Obviously, none of you knew this was even going on. And if you knew it was going on, you wouldn't lose a minute's sleep about what's going on over in Bosnia. But for some reason, your tax dollars are flying over it. But uh, but this will, this will get you, because this is what really cracked me up about the story. The U.S. Embassy in Sarajevo said the F-16 fighter jets flew over Bosnia to show U.S. support for the country's, get ready, quote, Territorial integrity. 
was the record we set the other day for illegals coming across the border? We've got we've got the U.S. Embassy in, in Sarajevo. They are making sure they're taking care of the Bosnian territorial integrity. Quote, this bilateral training is an example of advanced military-to-military cooperation that contributes to peace and security in the Western Balkans, as well as demonstrates the United States' commitment to ensuring the territorial integrity of Bosnia-Herzegovina in the face of anti-Dayton and secessionist activity. <laughs> Quote, the United States has underscored that the Bosnia-Herzegovina Constitution provides no right of succession, and it will act if anyone tries to change this basic element. We are now sending our troops and your tax dollars, to Bosnia to enforce the Bosnia-Herzegovina Constitution. James O'Brien, the U.S. Assistant Secretary of State for European and Eurasian Affairs, recently threatened that the U.S. will, quote, act, unquote, if anyone threatens the terms of the Dayton Accords and said nobody in the country has the right to succession. And you think they're going to let Texas pull out of this union? You think that you think that this government is going to let Texas become its own thing? It, this government can't even leave alone the people in Serbia. This is where we are, and again, I'm I'm laughing my way through this because it is so absurd. I I don't know what the again I don't I don't know what the answer is. Oh, just full fledged. We we just have to dismantle this Leviathan, this beast that has become our government. I find myself now worried about <laughs> people in Bosnia. Another, another victim. We already wrecked the place in the 1990s. And you go back, I certainly don't have time today to get into it, but we had no business over there in the 1990s, but apparently we're still there today. But anyway, as I said, I'm glad you listened to the show today. I bet you'll get a good sound night's sleep knowing that the U.S. is currently using our military to enforce the Constitution of Bosnia-Herzegovina. God bless America. See you next week. Bye-bye.